Hello, friends and neighbors, and welcome to the latest edition of the Gifts for Glory podcast. I'm Dave Ebert, and um, we're going to do something a little bit different this week. Uh, we come to you every other week, and uh, usually we have a, a special guest interview where we talk to somebody that's uh, using their gifts for God's glory. Uh, but in light of uh, the current situation, and at the risk of uh, giving my podcast this week a very short shelf life, I do want to uh, just uh, share some thoughts and feelings and um, actually a host of scripture that I would uh, just like to share today. Um, Things are kind of challenging right now. Uh, In fact, they're not kind of. They're actually very challenging. Um, The race uh, division is seemingly growing wider and wider. Um, There are pockets where you see healing and hope and um, unity. But um, in social media, on TV, the places where we get our information and our updates, it seems like overwhelming evidence shows that minorities and whites, uh, whites and blacks, uh, the chasm is getting further and further apart. And instead of uh, sharing one of our pre-recorded interviews this week, I was hoping that uh, I could fill the internet, at least in my small corner of the internet, uh, with the uh, the people that subscribe and download and listen to the Gifts of Glory podcast. I was hoping to put out their good news, uh, the good news. In fact, in June, uh, as of June 1st, I had started a, uh, a kind of, not necessarily a movement, because uh, there's only a few people that seem interested in, in uh, joining me on this, but kind of a challenge I've issued uh, through Facebook. Uh, it's the Philippians 4.8 challenge. Um, and the scripture I'm going to share today, with uh, one exception, uh, is all going to come from the uh, NLT version. NLT is just my preferred version. Um, I have no doctrinal statement about what translation is the best, what paraphrase is the best. It's God's word and God is capable to protect his word and protect his message and also use whatever translation you're using along with the power of the Holy Spirit to tell you what he wants you to know. Uh, So I prefer the NLT. It's uh, what I can process. It's what I enjoy. Uh, But I don't condemn anybody for using anything else. Uh, Just get in the word is my encouragement. Uh, So as I said, most of these will be coming from the uh, New Living Translation. But the Philippians 4-8 challenge that I've uh, put forth through Facebook uh, is based on the the scripture, Philippians 4-8. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. In verse 9, keep putting into practice all you have learned and received from me, from Paul, uh, and everything you heard from me, Paul, and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. But 4.8 is our focus uh, for this challenge. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So Philippians 4.8 challenge is all about using that as your filter for whatever uh, you post, whatever comments you sh- you uh, put out there, uh, whatever news or memes or, or gifs or gifs or however you want to pronounce it. Um, 
use that filter, the Philippians 4 8 filter. Uh, you know, fix your thoughts on what is true. And there is plenty of untrue stuff being liked and shared and commented on and uh, gone viral. Even among fellow Christians, uh, they'll re- uh, in occasionally I've been guilty of it too. And uh, this uh, Philippians 40 challenge is as much for me as it is for anybody else. Uh, but to fix our thoughts on what is true and to fix our thoughts on what is honorable. Uh, honorable includes being able to critique government officials, but do it in a way of honor, in a way of respect, a way of uh, your critiquing policy or choices and not attacking the person. I think that uh, that fits in with uh, honorable. And right. Uh, right as defined by the Bible, as defined by Jesus, as defined by the Father. Not what we as humans will define as right. And pure and lovely and admirable. Use these as your descriptors and your filters for what you're sharing in social media. Um, with and I'll just diving right into it with the murder of um, George Floyd I think that 99% of America 99% of the world sees that as a murder and as a tragedy and as something that warrants justice as swiftly as possible Uh, I think we're all in agreement there Uh, what we may disagree on is how the responses happened Um, I completely understand and uh, stand with those who protest and are crying out for justice. I completely agree and understand with that. Um, you know that fits in with Philippians four eight. Uh, what is you know what is good and true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think on these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So uh, supporting and agreeing that you know there needs to be some changes. There needs to be more protections. Um, Really, George Floyd should be alive today. Um, what happened is egregious and deserves swift justice. Not vengeance, but justice. Um, so, you know, in these times, with so much agreement that that was egregious and then that, that, that justice should be served... Now, as w- as we move forward as a body of Christ, as we try to come alongside uh, our our black brothers and sisters, uh, or as if, for those that listen, if you are one of my black brothers and sisters, we all have to come together to move forward, not to negate or ignore the tragedy, but to move forward as the body of Christ and continue to bring people closer and closer to Christ. That's our commission. That's our great. That's our job. Uh, despite it all, we have to bring people closer to God. We have to point them to the foot of the cross. We can still continue to work for justice and change and making the world better. But making the world better while ignoring our calling to bring people to Christ, you've done nothing. So that's why I'm spending this podcast sharing uh, a lot of scripture in hoping to in a small way, in my small corner of the world, just inspire change, inspire a renewed vigor for the word, um, encourage. These are the things that I'm hoping to do. And I just challenge anybody out there that 
uh, for the rest of June or for 30 days. Maybe you just want to do a 30-day fast from anything that goes outside of these parameters of Philippians 4.8. I encourage and, and challenge you to consider that. So that's where this uh, episode of the Gifts of Glory podcast is going to be coming from, is the Philippians 4.8 challenge. Um, Now the reason I want to push scripture and want to push faith and I want to push healing is that uh, 2 Corinthians 5 tells us, uh, starting in verse 18, All this is from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, it's that last phrase in verse 18 that I really want to point out. God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. And reconciliation in this context is is primarily pointed at reconciling and helping people to reconcile with God. Because... We all have fallen short, and we've all committed sins. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. So, we are we are uh, instructed through the Great Commission to go out and be in a ministry of reconciliation, of helping people reconcile to God. But because God tells us that. The greatest commandment is to love God with all our heart, mind, and soul. And the second greatest is like that, where we should love one another. So, in that reconciliation, not only we're reconciling to God, but we're also reconciling with each other within the body of Christ. So we have that ministry of reconciliation, which I truly believe applies not just the upward reconciliation between us and God, but the the horizontal um, reconciliation between all of us who are called to be God's children. So again, verse 18, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 18. Uh, this uh, is the one exception. This one is coming from the uh, MEV, the Modern English Version. And I chose that one because it actually uses the word ministry. Um, all this is from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19, that is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their sins against them, and has entrusted us the message of reconciliation. So we are ambassadors for Christ. So right there at the beginning of verse 20, so we are ambassadors for Christ. So when you're an ambassador, you represent, you carry the message of who you're representing. And people will judge who you're representing by what you do and what you say. So as an ambassador, there's an implied weight to that task. There's an implied duty and there's an implied responsibility. So we are ambassadors for Christ. Um, we're not being, we're, we're not expected to be perfect. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to fall short of the glory of God, but we're ambassadors for Christ. And our job is to carry the name, the banner, um, to put in modern marketing terms, the brand of Christ um, out to the world. So we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Again, 2 Corinthians 5, uh, 18-21, we have a ministry of reconciliation. 
we have a ministry to work towards unity, not conformity, not um, complete agreement on everything, but unity. We can have disagreements, we can have different points of view under the umbrella of unity. We don't have to agree on every single thing to be united and to be family and to be the body of Christ as God is intending. We have that ministry of reconciliation where we don't have to see eye to eye on everything. It's okay to disagree. It's okay to be the iron sharpening iron. But we should be united. We should be together. We should love each other and support each other and have that ministry of reconciliation at the forefront of our minds. And if we are living in such a way that we honor and live out Philippians 4.8, if we let our minds focus on the things that Paul is telling us in Philippians 4.8, the things that are true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and worthy of praise, and that's going to make things so much easier to work on that ministry of reconciliation. Now, it's very hard sometimes. Sometimes we're hurt. And in the world today, right now, with all the stuff that's going on currently, there's a lot of hurt. It's justifiable. It's justified hurt. It's righteous hurt. It's righteous anger in many ways. And we need to have that care and concern for our hurt brothers and sisters and the ministry of reconciliation as described in 2 Corinthians 5 is a challenge at times because of hurt because of misunderstandings because of ignorance now ignorance is not a bad thing ignorance is not a negative thing it may have a negative connotation but if you're ignorant of something it just means that you don't know you don't have the experience or the training or the understanding so being ignorant is not in of itself a problem or a negative thing, but once you're aware of the ignorance, especially in relationships, that's something that you need to fix, is no longer be ignorant, but to be educated or at least get some experience or understanding. So as we try to do this ministry of reconciliation, there are going to be gaps and holes in what we know and what we believe and what we've experienced. So there's going to be times where it's going to be hard. But that goes back to Romans 12. Romans 12, 1. Um, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them, let your bodies be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind you will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. So here in Romans 12:1, we're being told to live as a living sacrifice, uh, which mirrors what Jesus had told us in uh, Luke 9:23. Uh, uh, Luke 9:23, Jesus tells us, "Then he said to the crowd, "If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me." Now it may not need to be said, but he's not talking about wearing a a gold cross around your neck. He's not talking about jewelry. He's not talking about decoration. Like, take up your cross and tell people you're a Christian. No, he's saying sacrifice. Picking up your cross uh, in the context that Jesus was speaking, that was a vile thought of picking up your cross, meaning dragging your this weight of wood 
it's, at this point, by the time you're picking up, it's probably stained with other people's blood, holes in it from other nails that people have been crucified on it. And you're picking up this piece of wood to go and be yourself killed. Um, so be willing to die. Um, now, not every Christian is asked to make that ultimate sacrifice. Some are. Many of our brothers and sisters in the Middle East and China and other places, they pick up their cross daily knowing that this could be the day that they're going to join Jesus in paradise. But here in Luke 9.23, Jesus is saying, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your, your own way. Take up your cross daily. So be willing to die. And sometimes that merely means giving up your wants or desires because you want something more. You want to be closer to Christ. You want more people to know Christ. So picking up your cross daily means that you're willing to sacrifice yourself so that you can follow Jesus. Uh, so Luke 9.24, uh, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you are yourself lost or destroyed? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns to in his glory and in the glory of the Father and the holy angels. So our lives... Uh, in Romans 12, uh, 1 there, and then, you know, that's after Jesus had already spoken in Luke 9, 23. It's about sacrifice, and it's nothing that God hasn't already done in willing to be, to have a sacrifice. Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. Uh, my testimony, um, I won't uh, get into it tonight, uh, today as uh, I share this podcast, but my testimony there's a moment that's crucial to my story with God where he sacrificed for me. He sacrificed greatly for me so that I could eventually one day have my eyes open and realize that God is there and God loves me and God wants me. So sacrifice is not something that's foreign to God. God sacrifices for us. Jesus is the number one epitome of all sacrifice. But depending on your testimony, depending on if you ever get to hear my full testimony, God still sacrifices for the sake of his children. So sacrifice is not something that's just a directive. God has done so by example. So going back to Romans, uh, Romans 12, 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But here we go. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So important right there. So let me do uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2 back to back for you. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living sacrifice. Let them be, uh, I kind of added that, so let me try that again. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Verse 2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Verse 3. 
because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Verse 4, Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. So there we've got unity in scripture. Right there in verse 5 he says, we belong to each other, which goes right along with uh, the ministry of reconciliation in 2 Corinthians 5. So the Bible is so perfectly put together because there is unity in the message. Jesus and Paul said the same thing, tells the same thing, that we are to be a sacrifice. We're to, to willingly sacrifice for the benefit of others so that they may know Christ, so that we can be in eternity together, away from all of this brokenness in this world. And the, the way that we do that is through our ministry of reconciliation. So going uh, back to uh, Philippians 4, uh, this is verse 4. Knowing Jesus, you get a hope, you get a joy. So Philippians 4, 4, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, of instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. It's, it's unity within Scripture. Living for Christ, living that sacrifice of Romans and, and uh, 12 and Luke 9, 23, living that sacrifice is going to give you joy. And you can always be full of joy. Not necessarily happiness. There are going to be moments where you're going to be down. But joy is something deeper inside. It's an anchor. It's something that gets you through. Um, so the, the, the word is just so perfect and so full. Um, and as part of all this living sacrifice and all of this willingness to do for others and to live in such a way that's going to bring others closer to Christ. Uh, we'll go forward to James 1. Uh, James 1, you know, again, here's unity in Scripture talking about sacrifice, uh, you know, putting yourself aside for the better of others so that they can better know Jesus. Uh, James 1, 19. Understanding this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must be quick to listen slow to speak and slow to get angry again understand this my dear brothers and sisters you must be quick to listen slow to speak and slow to get angry human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires so get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your souls but here again James is talking about the same theme, sacrifice, of picking up your cross, following Jesus. In verse 22, he says, But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Now, don't get it twisted if, you, you know, if you're a young Christian 
or if you're still trying to find your your understanding of the word don't get twisted here where he says don't just listen to god's word you must obey you must do what it says you cannot earn salvation you cannot earn heaven so you can't earn it you're not doing things to earn salvation you're not trying to win god's love so that you can go to heaven so when you do works and james also talks about faith without works is dead he's not telling you that you can earn it he's telling you basically that you can prove it you can prove the relationship you have with jesus the relationship that you have with god by the way you live by the works that you do so don't think that james is ever encouraging you to earn your salvation or earn your ticket to heaven He's saying that basically, once you have the faith, you're going to prove it in the way you live and the things that you do and how you serve others. So jumping back to this, uh, verse 22, James 1. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself walk away and you forget what you look like. You forget your image. You forget who God is in you. Verse 25, But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself, and your religion is worthless. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. So there again, it's unity in Scripture. Um, Paul and James coming together and Jesus all talking about sacrificing sometimes the instinct inside you, the, the selfish fleshly desires to serve yourself, but to do what is going to bring others closer to Christ. Um, so how does that tie into what's going on? Um, if you're living for Christ... You're going to create unity, and when you create unity, you're going to find people helping each other up and through tragedies and work together to make a better world. Because, you know, Paul tells us in Philippians 4, you know, it's often quoted, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That wasn't a promise that Jesus makes us a superhero. Being a Christian does not put you into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It just doesn't happen. Uh, you may get blessed with the opportunity to, to be there, and maybe that's a mission field you may get. But Philippians 4.13 is not about superhuman capabilities necessarily for all who believe in Jesus. What it means is, as Paul was talking, he's had, at that point, he had nothing. And he's also had abundance. But he wrote this from prison, and he's talking about joy, and he's talking about being able to do all things through Christ who carries him through. So rely on on Jesus to carry you through. Uh, he may need you to do something that's going to require great feats of strength, and he'll give you the strength. But that's not what 4.13 in uh, Philippians is talking about. Um, but we're talking about you know, sacrifice and putting others first, putting the kingdom of God first so that more and more people can get there. Um, we'd never want to lose our testimony 
when we're fighting a cause because we're not fighting against flesh and blood we're fighting against the powers and principalities in the spiritual realm we're fighting a spiritual battle which is why we need the holy spirit to help us that's why we need to let the holy spirit and let god and let jesus fight for us we join in the battle but the victory is not ours to win christ already won the victory it's our job just to fight as we're called and remember that we're not fighting humans humans may be the physical manifestation of our battle in certain situations but the person you look in front of you that may be different than you may look differently that may sound different may think different that's not your enemy your enemy is the enemy of god who is trying to destroy what god is what god has built and what god is doing so again that's that sacrifice that effort that you have to make as you work on your salvation as you work on making a difference for god's kingdom is putting yourself to the side in order to make a difference um so you know james is clear on that paul again in ephesians ephesians 4 31 and 32 Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as through Christ God has forgiven you. Again, it's about putting yourself on the shelf and living for Christ, living the way Christ has called you to live in order to bring more people to Him. Um, it's just... It's so beautiful how the Bible just works together and complements itself. Uh, there is no contradiction in the Bible. There are different perspectives of the same story, but there's no contradiction. It all goes together because in the end, it's the same writer. God authored the word from Genesis to Revelation. He used different voices to say what he needed said. But the Bible is uniform. The Bible has one story. And Jesus Christ is the center figure of that story. All right, so let's continue on. Speaking of Jesus, there's one thing I really want to spend some time in. And, uh, you know, I've been talking about a lot of scripture uh, for quite a while on this thing. Um, but I do want to wrap up. And this is not going to be a short close. Um, I want to read a lot of the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount as, as we end. Um, because here Jesus is telling us how to live, how we can show that we've been changed by accepting him as our savior. So we can show how to live as a Christian. So we're going to pick up Matthew 5 verse 3. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs right off the bat jesus is hitting you right in right between the eyes saying that you're that god blesses those who realize they need him if you don't know your need for him you're missing out because everybody needs him everybody falls short everybody needs a savior there is not one person living today there's not one person that has lived from the time of adam and eve today today with the exception of jesus who doesn't need jesus everybody needed a savior and jesus is that savior 
But we have to realize it. We have to realize it and remember, remind ourselves that we need God. So Jesus telling us right off the bat here in the Beatitudes, Matthew 5, verse 3, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. So that verse, uh, Matthew 5, 4, right there in the Beatitudes, that one's a powerful one for right now. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. So that's a prayer right now. That's a heart cry right now for those who are mourning the tragedies in this world. Um, I don't know all the details, and that's you know that's my fault for not fully understanding everything going on. Um, but George Floyd is just is kind of just the latest in a series of of tragedies, and we who are not necessarily affected need to mourn with those who mourn and we need to understand their pain and pray over them pray verse 4 over them God bless those who are in mourning right now God comfort those who are mourning so Matthew 5 4 really important right there is in all of these in the Beatitudes so verse 5 God blesses those who are humble for they will inherit the whole earth um, the, some translations talk about uh, God blesses the meek, for the meek shall inherit the earth. Um, here it's, uh, in the New Living Translation, it talks about the humble. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. And verse 6, now this is one that right now, <clears throat> in this day, and, and for the rest of this age until Christ returns. Verse 6, Matthew 5, 6. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. So we, church, we should hunger and thirst for justice. Now, not vengeance, not revenge, not making things right, but for justice, for righteous justice. Because they will be satisfied. That's a promise Jesus makes. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice. For they will be satisfied. Verse 7. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. That's verse 9. Matthew 5, 9. Church, another call to us right here and now. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called children of God. And that goes right there with verse 6, who hunger and thirst for justice, but at the same time, work for peace. Verse 10, God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Verse 11, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Jesus gives us kind of a crazy instruction right here in verse 12. But it, again, it's unity in Scripture. Uh, in verse 12, Jesus says, Be happy about it. Be very glad. For a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. So James talks about counting it all joy. Paul talks about um, you know, have joy in the Lord. Rejoice. 
So it's unity within the scripture, and we should all have unity within the body of Christ in much the same way. So the Beatitudes is full of really good stuff, and I want to continue in Matthew 5. Um, salt, we're going to talk about salt and light. Uh, verse 13, you are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it, is give, where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Now here, um, some might say, wait, that's a contradiction because Jesus said, you know, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing and vice versa. Here it's saying, you know, the, kind of the opposite. It's context. We have to take the word as it's intended in the context in which the speaker is speaking. So here Jesus is not contradicting himself. He's actually saying, let your good deeds shine so that God gets the glory. The thing about the right and left hand is admonishing so that we don't try to get glory ourselves. So both can be true. Let our good deeds shine so God gets glory, but don't let our left hand know what our right hand is doing so that we don't get glory. Um, so again, unity in scripture. So it's so important, you know, let's be the salt of the earth, the flavor of the earth, the preserve, you know, salt is a preservative. So let's preserve life here on earth and also be the light of the world so that people can see and know God through us. Now, uh, I want to move down a few verses. We're going to go to uh, Matthew 5, 21 through 26. And I think this one is poignant right now. Uh, this is all of this scripture, but this one, I think, is it, the, these next few passages are really going to hit home. Uh, so Jesus is talking about anger here in the Sermon on the Mount, verse 21. You have heard our ancestors were told, you must not murder. Uh, you must, um, I'm sorry, you have heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder if you commit murder you are subject to judgment but i say if you are even angry with someone you are subject to judgment if you call someone an idiot you are in danger of being brought before the court and if you curse someone you are in danger of the fires of hell so here jesus is addressing anger that that sin is not just in action but it's in how we live how we think and what thoughts and what feelings take control of our mind. So always be um, be on guard to protect your heart, um, because even if you think it, you're kind of you're already guilty of it. So Jesus continues in verse 23. So if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. So again, there's that unity in Scripture that you know that God has given us a ministry of reconciliation. Um, so go and be reconciled. Leave your, Jesus was so clear here. He's like, you're in the middle of offering a sacrifice at the altar. Go and be reconciled first, and leave your sacrifice there. That because the reconciliation is more important. 
than the sacrifice in that moment because God wants his children to be together as much as he wants us to be with him. So Jesus is so clear right here. So if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar at the temple and you remember that there's a rift, go fix that rift and come back and give your sacrifice later. And um, so it's just so important that we live in that ministry of reconciliation. Uh, because when we're angry at one another, we've, we've committed sin against each other. Now, uh, Jesus also talks about revenge. In uh, verses 38 uh, to 42, uh, Jesus starts off saying, You have heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. If you are sued in court and your shirt is taken away from you, give your coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it for two miles. Give to those who ask, and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. So Jesus is saying that, you know, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, but I say, you know, let's live differently. Let's think differently. Let's radicalize our love for one another, even though we're talking to somebody that has caused us some sort of injury or somebody that could potentially have hurt us or will potentially hurt us. So revenge is not ours to take. And he continues this thought as he starts talking about love for enemies in verse 43. You've heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. All right, let's repeat 44 again. And this is for everybody out there that, that has been hurt or is trying to forgive. One of the great ways to to forgive is to pray for the person that's hurt you. Uh, for me, my, my story, I was married before I married my wife, Bobby. And I, I had a long, hard road getting to forgiving my ex-wife. But I found one day the day that I started to pray for her, because she had, um, she had suffered something. Uh, I think at one point she was uh, uh, going through some cancer stuff, and the fact that I actually sincerely prayed for her health and recovery—that was a moment that kind of was a breakthrough to get over the uh, the pain and the unforgiveness and the bitterness I was going through. Was to pray for her. So here, love for your enemies. You've heard the laws that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, Jesus says, but I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. And he sends a rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. Verse 48, But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. So we need to love our enemies. We need to pray for those who persecute us. Pray for those that have hurt us. Because, frankly, no matter how much they hurt us, Jesus' sacrifice is enough for them to be forgiven and to be in heaven. So if Jesus has the ability and the desire to forgive them, we should work for that too. It's not going to be easy, but again, it goes to that message, that, unit, that message throughout the New Testament, throughout Scripture, 
about the sacrifice, sacrifice what we want. Sometimes we want revenge. We want to punish somebody by our disdain or our hatred for them. But that's not the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel is about loving your enemies, praying for those who persecute you, and ultimately forgiving them in the way that Christ has forgiven us. So, as we go forward, um, as we try to recover as a country, we may never recover. Uh, the enemy is truly, truly at work, dividing and trying to conquer us all. We all need to spend time in scripture, time in prayer, and time in community. With social distancing and all the different stuff that's going on that we're still trying to overcome, it's harder and harder. So we have to make a real effort to build community within the body of Christ. Hold Zoom meetings and, and have some prayer time together with people that you haven't seen in a while. Uh, talk to people that look differently than you. Talk to people that will vote differently than you. Because it's all about unity. It's not necessarily about agreement. We don't have to agree on every single thing because that would be boring. But we should be unified under Christ for the kingdom. We should be as unified and as complementary as all scripture is. We are the body. We are part of the body. We can't have a thumb wanting to take the whole body left and the other finger wants to go right. we got to work together for the betterment of the kingdom to bring more people into the kingdom. America, the world actually, the world is a Titanic and it's hit the iceberg and that iceberg is sin. And the Titanic is going down. But here's the great news. There is one lifeboat, and that lifeboat is more than enough for everybody to get off that boat. And our job is to tell them that the lifeboat is right over there. Just walk up those steps, accept the free gift of getting on that lifeboat, and you will be saved. Here's the problem. Here's the curse and blessing that is free will. No matter how convincing an argument we get to make, some people will deny the iceberg exists. Some people will deny that the Titanic is sinking. Some will accept that the Titanic is sinking, but they think that they'll be able to swim to shore on their own power. Unfortunately, there is only one way to survive off that sinking Titanic, which is this earth, this planet. Sin has put a hole in the hole, and it is going down, and the only life raft is Jesus Christ. And his word is perfect, it's pure, it's complimentary. Every story, every command has a complimentary verse that justifies it, that explains it, that, that reinforces the concept. So the Bible is perfect. The message of the Bible is perfect. The message of God is perfect. Salvation is free for the taking. You can't earn it. It's a gift. But you can prove that your life has been changed by that gift. That's why James talks about faith without works is dead. You can believe in Jesus all you want, but your faith is dead if you don't go out and prove what a difference Jesus has made in your life. And again, you gotta be, you know, like Paul says, Romans 12, 1, be a living sacrifice. That's how you worship God.
And we have that ministry of reconciliation. 2 Corinthians 5, 18. All this is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us to the ministry of reconciliation. We're to be reconciled with God. We're to be reconciled within the body of Christ and bring the kingdom together. Now, there's a lot of things that, that needs to be done. There has to be improvement in our society. We have to work together. And we have to pick up the cause of those who are mourning and who are in pain. But never at the cost of our testimony. Never at the cost of being able to point people to the foot of the cross for their salvation. Social justice and, and all these other things, they can be wonderful things, but they're temporary. They're not going to matter once we're all in heaven. So our job is to get everyone onto that lifeboat. Our job is to get everyone off the sinking Titanic and onto the lifeboat. And the things that went wrong, the things that hurt people aboard the Titanic, yeah, we can try to address those. But the important issue is to make sure that we're always, always, always keeping our eyes on Jesus. We can work together and fix things here on this earth until we're called home. But never, ever, ever let that work nullify your ability to point people to Jesus. Uh, this, this world needs healing. Uh, this world needs revival. This world needs the church to reunite under the outstretched arms of Jesus. We need the, the blood of Jesus over each of us as we walk forward so that we can bring more people to Jesus. Jesus is the only way. The imagery of the Titanic hitting the iceberg is perfect. It's a perfect example. The world is going down. The world has hit the iceberg that is sin. Jesus is the life raft. You have a choice. Are you getting on? Or are you going to try to deny the iceberg exists? Or are you going to try to swim to shore under your own power? Neither of those are going to have a good outcome for you. Only the life raft that is Jesus Christ is, the, is a good outcome for you. So as we wrap up this episode, I've, uh, I hope that somewhere along the way I've said something that may be beneficial. But I just wanted to get on here and I wanted to just share scripture and point everyone back to Christ. Because that's all that matters. At the end of the day, Jesus Christ, His sacrifice, His narrow gate to the Father, that's all that's going to matter. And if you don't walk through that gate, if you don't point people to that gate then you're not paying attention to what Jesus has told us. So I want to pray as I uh, close out uh, this episode. Uh, I know it's been a very unique episode, but Gifts for Glory is all about sharing our gifts for God's glory. And I believe that one of my gifts is the ability to speak and to talk to people and to, and to share ideas and analogies. And, and I'm hoping that I'm doing that here today. Uh, so thank you so much for uh, tuning in. I hope uh, this has been a blessing. Uh, so let us pray. And um, as I pray and after the, I, I'm done, I encourage you to pray. The Word tells us, and I didn't say this first, but you, I'm sure you've heard it before. Pray without ceasing. And that includes, you can pray, obviously, 
maybe differently, but you can pray even when you're scrolling your Facebook on, or you're sitting in the restroom. It's okay. God knows. He invented the restroom uh, facilities for us. So it's okay to pray anywhere, anytime, because you're to pray ceaselessly. And let me tell you, there is enough to pray 24-7, 365 without a break. There's enough to cover. So let's pray as we close out the Gifts Reward podcast this week. Uh, we'll be back in uh, two weeks. And uh, you know, hopefully the world will look a little bit better. And I encourage you, as it, uh, before I close, take the Philippians 4-8 challenge. Consider spending the next 30 days sharing only things that fit with Philippians 4-8. And those kind of things would be, you know, think about the things that are true which is so hard to find on the internet these days. But what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable? Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So focus on Philippians 4.8 as you share on social media. Even the things that you like and the things that you comment. Let it be filtered through Philippians 4.8 and see if we can't make a difference in this world over the next 30 days. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of communication, the ability to connect via via the internet. Um, things are absolutely insane and things are crazy in this world right now. But none of this caught you by surprise. You knew the end from the beginning. You knew that there would be tragedies and ups and downs and viruses and outbreaks and pandemics. And you knew that there would be misinformation and people lying to one another, people misleading one another, hype and hysteria, headlines meant to, to mislead. You knew all this. That's why you provided us with a textbook on how to live. Father, I pray that during this episode of my podcast that, that you would use the scripture and my commentary to bless others, to make a difference. And I pray that for the person listening, right now that's kind of questioning if this is all real, if you're real, I pray that that person, as I just imagine them sitting there listening to this podcast right this moment, and I, I'm just picturing somebody listening to this podcast wearing a red shirt that's doubting all of this. God, I pray that you would speak to their heart right now, right in this very moment, and tell them unequivocally you are real and that you love them with an everlasting love that that was worth dying for and I pray that that person would finally remove the veil from their eyes and receive salvation from your son Jesus and receive the gift of life that you have for us all Father for the world that we're living in right now so many things to pray for pray about God we pray for those who are suffering whether it be loss or suffering illness as a result of the COVID-19 outbreak Father we pray that the science continues to hold that sunlight and warm temperatures tend to eradicate this virus I pray that this summer we would see that virus finally die and go away to minimal impact but for those that have lost loved ones or those who have sick loved ones in their family, that we pray for healing and for comfort for them. 
Heavenly Father, for the family of George Floyd, we pray that you would give them peace, uh, that you would comfort them. We pray that the tragedy would not define their lives, that they would be able to continue to live, and that they would dare find joy in life, despite the, the tragedy. Because you give us reason to have joy, even though this world is temporary and this world was painful. There is joy to be had. And I pray that soon, and very soon, George Floyd's family would find them. God, I pray for our police officers who are out serving among the protests. And God, I pray for their wisdom. I pray for their discernment. I pray that you would bless them immensely with keen eyes and keen hearing and righteous response. There are so many peaceful protesters, so many peaceful demonstrators. I pray that you would protect all of the peaceful ones, the ones with pure hearts, the ones with a heart to see justice and to see fairness and equality. I pray your protection over them, Father. I pray that they will be able to have their voices heard without being hurt, without being punished, without facing future potential tragedies. I pray your protection of the protesters, and I pray your protection over the police. Uh, and God, I pray for an end to the violence, and for the, an end to the rioting, and, and the hurting of innocent people. Father, my heart breaks for the homeless man that was on the video that was shared the other day. Uh, this poor homeless guy with virtually nothing to his name had what little he had burned and he was mocked and tortured. God, I pray that you would comfort that man, that somebody would give him a new place to stay and that he would experience the love of Christ in his life. And for the retired police officer shot in uh, St. Louis, Father, I'm praying that you would bless his family, you would encourage his family. And God, I pray that the senseless killing on all sides, by all people, would end. I pray that those who have the position and the power to make influential change, I pray that they would work in a way of reconciliation ministry to reconcile the lost and the hurting, reconcile the seeking with you, and I pray by that reconciliation, we would see more people reconciled and joined together in the body of Christ. Oh, Lord, I pray that you protect our police officers, you protect the protesters, you protect the innocent people and their businesses and their ways of life. And for those that have lost, I pray that you would you would replenish what has been taken, what has been stolen, what has been lost. Pray most importantly that through all of this, people would see you, would come to know you in a much better way. I pray that you would get glory, even in the tragedy, even in the down times, even in the times where there's so much doubt. God, we ask that you would work it out to get yourself glorified so that more might come to know you and know you as their Father for eternity. God, we pray all these things and so much more. I pray for each individual that tunes into this podcast, that they would be blessed, that they would be encouraged, that they would know that you are God and you are in control. I pray that they would come to know you in a way that changes their lives, 
not just this life, but their lives forever because they know you and know you in a super amazing, special way. Father, I pray all these things to you and I pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to pour out on this country for a revival so that we can bring more people into the kingdom and to the feet of the cross. I pray these things sincerely, urgently, and I do so in the name of Jesus Christ, my Savior, my Lord. Amen. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much again for sticking with me for this hour. Um, if you have any questions, any concerns, anything that maybe I said that may have gone off track, uh, please feel free to reach out to me, Dave at giftsforglory.com. Dave at gifts, the number four, glory.com. Dave at giftsforglory.com. And that email address is also open if you are somebody who, like me, has battled depression and suicidal thoughts and you need somebody to just vent to, to just express your needs and pains with, uh, to. Um, I'm definitely a listening ear willing to be there. So Dave at giftsforglory.com. If you have any questions or any needs like that, um, one thing that uh, you know, if you're still listening, I do want to uh, thank you for hanging in there. I want to just wrap up with this. Wellverse Comedy is the comedy ministry of uh, Gifts for Glory Ministries. Uh, we've been doing a weekly show um, every week uh, through Zoom to just try to offer a distraction, and we're doing so tomorrow night, Thursday evening, starting 7:30 Central. And we're um, officially moved to Thursdays as long as uh, Illinois remains on lockdown. Um, and we do the show not as a way to ignore or minimize or negate the tragedies of this world. It's to remind us all that there is hope. 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 No matter how bad things get, there is hope. And we want to offer just a moment of distraction to remind ourselves that there is hope. And that hope is rooted directly in the Savior, Jesus Christ. So Wellverse Comedy is doing a weekly show on Thursdays starting uh, tomorrow, 7.30 Central. Uh, we just want to bring some joy, some laughter, and just remind us all that there is hope. And there is hope. There's hope for everybody. And his name is Jesus Christ. So thanks so much for listening again uh, to the Gifts for Glory podcast. Have a blessed uh, rest of your day, a rest of your week. Please be safe. And please spend time in the Word. Spend time in prayer. And see what God's will for your life would be. And to see how you can use your gifts, talents, passions, and desires to honor God. This is the Gifts for Glory podcast. We'll talk to you soon.